why do I know more about Kyle Rittenhouse than I do about Jeffrey Epstein? And I respect that because I love power. <laughs> Motivation, deviation, stimulation. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Buckle Up, baby. <laughs> episode 11. What 11. happened? What happened on the intro? I don't know. You, you didn't join me. You lost your shit. Oh, we always jumble it together. Yeah, Welcome back to Buckle, Buckle Up, up baby. baby. This <laughs> was not the hardest. I don't think it was. It really wasn't. I think maybe we're hitting the hitting our stride a little bit. We're coming out of the dip. Yeah. And it's I actually it's funny you say that because I was thinking that um that on the way here it didn't f- I felt like I found myself like on the middle of the highway on the way over here. I'm like, "Oh. It's like autopilot now. It felt much more automated. Like yeah. this is what we do. I'm going set, you know, in the beginning of something of a a creative endeavor, every step is like calculated thinking where does this go where does this how do i do this okay now i put it to here it's all like new territory yeah it kind of feels like we've created our own little campus and like we know the way around campus or we're learning the way yeah. around campus yeah also i mean the editing of it also the workflow the, it's like y'all when you go back to college after like after break after you've been there and then you like know your way around yeah so this is like our own little space and the whole process is our own space yeah and it's starting to get that rhythm where it's true like it just becomes more fluid and natural and easier to do. Yeah. Because we've done a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, when the work of it is the less, the least of it, you know, where we can just like uh, sit, talk, put it together, put it out, and and that's that. And it's the least. You mean effort and it's more like pleasurable and fine. And, yeah, where, and, yeah, the work is like a muscle already that like you know exactly what to do, um, and then you you know you put all the thought into the... You know, because, yeah, we're still figuring out the workflow, like the editing of it, the the images, the thumbnails, this and that. Oh, for sure. It definitely felt that way, that it was uh, not as conscious doing it all. Right. Like, oh, it was all much, much more, much easier. Yeah, the thumbnail game is good. I got the templates. Yeah, no, I figured it out. I figured out one of of the benefits of graduating in the recession in 2009 Mm -hmm. was having all these tools at your disposal for the first time, like Google Docs. An illustrator in Photoshop and just fig- having to figure out how to use it. So like I'm like when I I have like a, a knack for that. Like we're using Canva, I think mm-hmm. for the. So like I just kind of figured out. I find the stuff I need. It like it flows. Um, You're saying that in the recession when we weren't doing anything, it allowed for like building skills organically as opposed to like on a job or in a school you could like find things. Yeah, because you kind of had to figure out what to do with <laughs> yourself if you graduated in 2009. Like, I, I was in finance. That wasn't going to happen. It was such a slap so in the face to like, all the people that did safe things at a time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like in college you can really do anything adventurous. You're just in college. So you're yeah. along for this sort of, like, ride that's telling you what to do. And, like, they present to you options. And even the interesting or cool majors aren't going to do anything for you until you get out there and start experiencing things. It's like modeled experience. Uh-huh. College is like simulation. It's like... This is what it's like to work at an ad agency. Here's what they do. and it's all it's all completely not fully represent, repre- representative of what's going on at an agency now. It's people who used to work in advertising like right. 10 years ago and they're bringing you their experience which is dated. Yeah. You know, so it's not sometimes in college the problem is they're not building skills, they're trying to model real world when it's like mm-hmm. I feel like college should focus much more on building skills that can be applied mm-hmm. and they're oftentimes trying to simulate and if that's the case, then just 
send them into a job and right. don't waste time paying for classes. Get paid or to work for free and get the skills. Because I remember yeah. coming out of college learning at an accelerated pace the first gig I had as an intern. I was at Berkeley, and then I took one course on the last semester of the Berkeley College of Music, teaching me a little bit about computers and production. Mm -hmm. Thank God, because then when I got out into, that, into the real world and started recording and stuff, I had a little bit of something. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, oh, in two weeks, I just covered the last two years of school, and the rest is history, yeah. just like <laughs> comparing what you learn on the job. Uh. And then how that all of a sudden reveals to you what an epic waste of time the <laughs> curriculumization of knowledge passing is at college. We also went to college at like the very beginning of a major shift. I, I, I declared um, my major in marketing. Yeah. I remember it was it was like 2007 Still or don't eight. know what that is, but yeah. And, and I was sitting there, this guy in his like 50s or 60s was teaching and like he didn't mention Facebook once. Mm -hmm. And I remember a very clear thought occurring to me of like, this is going to be useless. If I'm going to sit in business school, I might as well just do finance. And I went, I went after that class, I went and switched my major to finance. It was a difference of like four or five classes. It wasn't right. a huge deal. But, but, but when we got out of college, um, a lot of the tools that you then needed um, – didn't even exist while we were in college. Just like a year later, like you, you know, you couldn't write an email from your phone while we were in college. And then a year or two later, everyone was writing emails from their phone. You and, could. and the emails you write from your phone are like slightly different. Like you the etiquette changes. Right? There were people, there were people with smartphones, but, but most people didn't have, if you had a smartphone, but it was people a Blackberry. had Blackberries. Yeah. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't done. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, uh, it, it was still like a bit of a novelty, I think. Mm -hmm. The first iPhones I saw was when I was in college and I started seeing iPhones yeah. rolling out. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Can I see that? Like, exactly, yeah. exactly. And it was like, oh, it was like, it was like yeah, oh, there's no keyboard. You have to type on the screen. Like, that's, I, that's not for me. I do, I'm a flip phone guy. I don't do that. <laughs> and then, like, next year I got an iPhone and right. you know, all of a sudden everything changed. Um, so, I yeah, remember so, my first iPhone was the iPhone 4. And the second I did it, I called my wife and I'm like, oh my God. I literally do remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, like, it just, yeah. I remember a very distinct moment yeah. of not just, oh, this is a better phone. I'm like, I have a different thing now. Yeah. Well, I remember I was, I was interviewing boom. in the city. The first text, boom, <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom, boom. I'm like, that felt so good. <laughs> so much better than the, yeah. oh, that was maybe an Apple noise too. Did what did the no, Blackberry It was just, uh, I, I never had a Blackberry. I don't know. What was the old text noises? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was it. And then Apple decided to go. <laughs> when the emails got sent yeah so satisfying yeah google also i was recently staying by a friend who has like the google hooked up to the lights every time i shut the lights off it just went boom oh nice i'm like <laughs> hey google lights on boom it was so pleasant there's something calculation there it, yeah. they designed it there's no high end on the sound so it never actually stings it just goes okay <laughs> in digital language you <laughs> no. Anyway, I remember that time, and we came from an interesting time coming into the workplace when, yeah. when nobody knew what to tell us, and we didn't know what we were in. Like we had no economy experience. I remember at the time saying it's the economy. I just learned that phrase <laughs> and said it yeah. to make myself and people around me feel better and justify being s s painfully unemployed having no idea what I was talking about. What yeah. do you mean it's the economy? What economy? What the hell is an economy? Yeah. Like I just graduated, I just was a senior last year. I, was a, I know what a student is. I know, how, I know what that definition means. Now I'm 
working, but the economy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you could say because we had no vo- we had no experience to make the vocabulary about these things any meaningful. Yeah. Unless you followed finance in college and you were into it, this all this stuff Got meant it. like there there was this promise mm-hmm. of what you you know there was second there was essentially. 17th grade after you graduate college there's like the next grade yeah. which is working grade right. and what you do is you sign up here and you get a fixed salary and then there's been i imagine that's what it was but i we were so shaken by the fact that that whole yeah. infrastructure crumbled exactly, exactly and we stepped into like off a cliff yeah. we were like well, what what yes. happened there was supposed to be a building yeah. here that we were all supposed to go <laughs> yeah. into but the schools we, burnt down we all moved home we didn't we didn't get our own apartments yeah. cuz like no one had jobs and then uh, that's why a lot of people i know now work in tech cuz they were gonna work in finance mm. i don't, the only people i know who got jobs in finance had family connections nothing wrong with that but mm-hmm. that's just it only it only worked out for like Three or four people I know actually got jobs in finance. People went to law school, like retreated to law school. Like, I got to go back to school where it's safe. It's like from the storm of the crisis. A lot of people went to law school. And and then a lot of people were like, well, if I can't do finance, I the only people that are hiring now are these like tech, little tech startups in the mm-hmm. city. And because we were the youngest people working, we were automatically the social media people. Right. Like, oh, you, you like, yeah, I don't know. Are you on Twitter or Facebook? Do you want right. you do that? And and now it's like there's a whole you know it's all codified and and like uh, and, you know incredible and if, if and, yeah. and, and and it's displaced what it was it's obviously like now these companies are like can you do our Twitter <laughs> like they're the ones who are like we we are not on TikTok and we feel irrelevant like the biggest companies yeah it's not only like a real thing <laughs> it's it's flipped and become the the one the, the thing that people are like aspiring to succeed in right. You right. know, companies are like, we need to improve our socials game because that's the new, yeah. it's the new advertising, it's the new everything. Yeah. It's such a funny space to revisit that time period yeah. well, because it wasn't like just start a YouTube channel. It's like that, that wasn't even, a, people didn't do that then. Yeah. The, like YouTube, I don't remember what it was then, but it wasn't an economy. Yeah. It wasn't a, a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, well, like, and yeah, that's, how, that's a little unfortunate because we had, <laughs> we did have time and mm-hmm. you learned some skills and stuff. But imagine if it was what it was today, people would say, listen, so like you have this time. You're living at home, whatever. There's nothing stable out there. Like it would have been a good time for YouTube to be what it is now. Then, so that people would have just gone on and started making stuff or doing stuff, even real estate or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have taken advantage of it, but it wasn't quite as developed then or credible mm-hmm. as a real source of a potential building a business around YouTube or social media in that way. For sure, it was not. purely luxury and it was purely yeah. just distraction. So and that's where I think we are now with, with the crypto stuff, mm-hmm. where like um, it's it's a little bit. It's it's like misunderstood and not quite utilized yet, mm-hmm. um, but I think ten years from now there'll be there'll be an NFT guy at every company. Yeah, there'll yeah. be like a head of NFTs at AT and T and Pepsi and whoever. I saw a clip of Kevin O'Leary, and he was like, "I used to say if you wanted a profitable job, if there was something to be profitable, if you want to be safe, if you want something that's going to pay well." It was four words, engineer, engineer, engineer. (laughs) Now I'm looking for video creators and I'm looking for graphic designers because I want to tell a story. There is nothing more valuable for a business than telling (laughs) a story. I'm going to now pay these guys who who I used to think were wasting time doing videos. I'm going to pay them 150K a year coming out of school because I want to sell my brand. I want to tell my story. That's where the new market is. That's where the new creator economy is. Yeah. And I'm on a royalty for every video that you make for me. <laughs> yeah, well, How's what, my Kevin O'Leary? Coming that was along? pretty good. Coming along. You that can hear good. the uh, you can hear the, the hip. I points. like the shift in, in my business. <laughs> in my business. Yeah. That's what I want. But he was just saying like the value, like artists are being valued yeah. in ways that it's like oh you don't just God. do art. Now like the serv- the art yeah. to service business because stories actually sell yeah. businesses. 
Um, it's, I, I thought the only creative thing I could that was an option for me was marketing when I was in college. I mean, graphic design and, f- what is and marketing, video Michael? content creating. What is marketing? I what mean, is marketing literally? versus branding versus advertising? I'm sure the okay, folks so out there would love to all know. All of that falls. Branding, advertising all falls under marketing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, marketing is literally you have a product and who, who are you going to sell it to? So it's making decisions or it's no, being no, no, creative? No, 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 no. It's, it's a guy in the company who's, who's, who's making the market. Where, or like, you're like if we sell canes, I'm going to go find the market for people who buy canes. Like that's like marketing is like who you sell your product to. And there's different ways to find your market and then and Marketing then encompasses all of that, all that effort of like the research. Yeah. That's marketing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, marketing right now, a lot of it is like data. data last time I checked was data analysis. Like, right. it's a lot of numbers crunching, and it's basically um, like spreadsheets and data analysis. There's mm-hmm. a, there's only very few people who really get to come up with ideas. Uh-huh. There's, um, there's a lot less creativity and more wonky technical. Yeah, I mean, research. yeah, it's mostly like uh, like ha- like who do we serve the ads to? How are they performing? And how do we optimize that? And analyzing information do, yeah. and looking at like, see, yeah. I look at these charts on like our YouTube and my YouTube. You know, and I'm sure the right brain yeah. would be like, "Oh, so cool! Look at what's happening here." And I, I like, right. I go, "There's a green line, there's a yellow uh, yeah. line, there's a red line." And in December, they all went like this, yeah. and they went like this. That's a nice shape, but nothing translates to me in ideas from that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so the people who are really good at that are really successful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I thought the marketing people who were good were like these, you know. You know, guys with like those like clear glasses or like remote mm. glasses and like super like creative and imaginative. And it was really the people who were really good with numbers that were like doing really well. Oh, I guess it's the guys who can see all those, all that data and then come up with something. That's where the creativity comes in. It's yeah. like, so here's what we're going right. to do. The strategy is right. based on the market uh, analysis and based on the data we're getting, we're going to now launch a campaign yeah. to get canes in the hands yeah. of every single elderly person on this nursing home trip right. in this piece of geography where yeah. people pull the most for, you know, exactly. leg, leg injuries. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so it's a combination. Um, or there was just like an explosion in this town. Let's, right. let's get our canes over there. Right. And but, branding is yeah. like, how do you craft a story that, that, that appeals to them? Brand, I don't, I Branding is uh, I I don't know I don't I've never worked in branding I mean I, I think I, I, I did can like brand it. identity stuff but like uh, how would you define it I think I think what branding is so that's an <laughs> that's a good definition of marketing because I always I always think of marketing advertising anything that's like trying to sell you something as one thing sales yeah. marketing like you you lump it all together right. but if you break it down technically that's a good isolated definition of marketing is is defining and analyzing and discovering what the market is mm-hmm. and then Okay, now we have to target it. And how do we do that? So there's a couple of things. I guess there's sales where you're trying to pitch to those people that you think might be into the product. But in the process of sales, branding, my understanding is what image or feeling Mm -hmm. do you want that person that you've identified or man or woman to feel when they see your cane? Mm -hmm. and, And so what kind of stuff... And that and that informs everything else. So the brand is going to form how we're going to advertise, what color we're going to paint it. Mm-hmm. Because like I think Steve Jobs has a viral video out there talking about Nike being the best brand in the world. When you think of Nike, do you think of sh- like like do you think of utility like shoes that work well, or do you think of victory, accomplishment, mm-hmm. success, hard work? Mm-hmm. Um, and Nike did that not by saying we have great laces. We have great swooshes. Mm-hmm. Look at these wonderful designs. They just basically took their shoe and put it in the context of 
athletes who are successful mm-hmm. and all, you know, all those different campaigns that make you think of Nike as success, cool, uh, motivated. Right. And that's the brand of right. Nike, like, which isn't tangible. Yeah. It's these ideas that you derive yeah. when you see the swoosh. A good word, a good word, one word for it is probably positioning. Like where do we where do we position ourselves and how do we position ourselves? But a lot of it is also in creating a brand. So it's like Apple. Right. It's aesthetic. There's this thread right. that runs through right. it. So where it's think differently, be different, be creative, right. think outside the box. Don't do what everyone else is telling right. you to do. Uh, technology is is there to assist you in in being creative, not this thing you have to learn, right. not this headache for you. Right. Whereas before, computers were like, well, you have to be a computer person. Like an Apple said, no. We're right. changing all of that, that whole experience. So they have this brand too. I feel like maybe it's gotten clouded and confused these days because it's gotten nerdier. Like you watch these keynotes now, they're not like rock star events than what mm-hmm. they used to be. Now they're like, the A7 Bionic chip is the fastest chip we've ever had and it has a dual heating system. And people mm. go, oh my <laughs> God, it has a dual. I've been waiting for the dual heating system. That might be... Um... <gasps> <laughs> that might be we are so though. excited how's my tim cook <laughs> we are amazed that iphones are now in blue <laughs> is that what he sounds like tim cook i've never heard him speak you've never seen an apple keynote i don't think so i oh see my. The, and now we're gonna bring up phil summaries. to show you the blue iphone you never heard him? I read, he sounds like a south park, south park character. <laughs> oh i'm <laughs> guy <laughs> no he sounds like we are so excited that the iPhone has sold one billion iPhones in the last month. And it's so important at Apple that we <laughs> Steve Jobs was more like he was much more had more finesse and less about the wonky nerdy stuff. You know? I th- I actually think at what I, I think it might be intentional because Apple I think went away from that for a while and lost some of the hardcore users and they're trying to get back to like the hardcore creative professionals using their machines again. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's beside the point. I I think they lost some of that because it got worse. Like things didn't work as well. Like, well, yeah, right. So there's the, so, but, but the branding, the branding goes along with the, the product, right? The, you know, the product, well, I guess the the marketing people would say we're losing these customers, mm-hmm. and then they would go to the product people and say, "How do we get them back?" And they'd mm-hmm. say, "Well, we'll we'll add another port to the side, so mm-hmm. it's better for people who need to use it for serious stuff." Mm-hmm. And then the branding is like, "Okay, so now we have to think. Now we have to like f- seem more serious." So at the keynote, you know, drop all the the kitschy stuff and let, let's let's like talk like you know raw numbers i don't know maybe but there's that's a way to present seriousness steve jobs never presented it as we're just for fun he always was like never compromised on how yeah. serious they were but he would present it as you know superior right. better right. Be, be, not be, the a5 bionic be, chip. because they were trying to get an iphone into everyone's hands now that they do now now the next phase is like everyone has an iphone now we need to like upsell the people who need to do serious work right so like maybe that has shifted a little bit like also steve jobs when he would present wouldn't say something to the effect of we've maximized gigabyte space so you can now have this like he wouldn't talk about the technical he would say i want to fit a phone a music player Mm -hmm. and a computer in your pocket so he was and it can be done yeah what would that look like he would present it in ways that were like emotional yeah and human not technical so he was a product guy i think yeah. i think you'd call him a product guy which i think is kind of like simon sinek a little bit and i think that's where a lot what i learned working at these startups was the uh what i what i wanted to do really was products not really marketing it uh-huh. was like ideating and brainstorming like right. 
things and then putting them into practice. What the hell is Simon Sinek, in your opinion? I I, I really only know that one video he does about um, <laughs> what, it, what is this thing, the Martin Luther King Jr. thing? <laughs> doctor Martin Luther King Jr.? A real doctor? <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> what was his thing about Martin Luther King? Um, no, it's MLK he, no, he's, coming no, up. He's like, he, he didn't say, like, I want civil rights. He said, like, I want... What did he say, Martin Luther King? He didn't say, I want I civil rights. In, I oh, want to pass like, this what, amendment. Yeah. He says, I have a dream. What do you believe in? What do you believe in? Yeah. But he's always getting up there. <laughs> and he's saying to people, like, this guy... I, I know there must be street cred behind him because right. I heard in digging that he did have some successful advertising career or something. But he puts on a pair of skinny jeans and then a button down open <laughs> to his belly button and goes, look around the room. Ask yourself. Motivation, deviation, stimulation. What do they mean? What do they want? What do they give us? Purpose, meaning, <laughs> fulfillment. That's what's missing from today's upper CEO class. You want to create better work culture? Do you? Ask yourself. Culture. What's in the word culture? Cult. Cult of personality. Personality deviates from even temperament, not odd temperament. Take a minute. Breathe in. Inhale. At your next meeting, ask yourself. And I'm like, and then people clap. Ask yourself. It's like, you know, I said, he'll be like, the kids these days, they're complaining. They don't have a purpose at work and we, we give them a hard time. We've created that in them. We've, we've thrown them into a pool and we haven't given them floaties. They need floaties. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was. Uh... Get in the. What happens if you pull a kid out? You leave the kid in, he'll drown. You leave the kid out, he won't learn to swim. Leave them in the water. One floaty, two floaties, even three. Take one away, take two away, take three away. Stay on the surface. <laughs> Get in the water with them. Get wet. Learn to swim. And then you won't need to swim. Simon Sinek, TED Talk. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No. I've, I. I. That was. That was a good impression. I've used his. It was a long impression. His like, because <laughs> because I've been like tasked with coming up with a brand's yeah. like brand before, um, and he he just he has a good system basically of like um, identify deeply thinking about what you believe in. Like I, we believe people should be free. We believe, um, you know, computers shouldn't be so damn confusing. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, the core beliefs, core like values. The core belief, and if things stem from there, it's it's easier to think through this these things. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. He does. He does make sense. It's not as nonsensical as I just presented it, but it's also like if you can be a smooth talker and tell people how to be successful, you can be successful. It's like there's a funny thing, but you can see through it. I mean, there's a whole world of like the keynote snake oil people yeah. and Gary Vee addresses this because he gets accused of that and I've watched some of his interviews about it too where yeah. it's like you can spot the difference yeah. one I, is are they selling something when they talk to you buy my course and you'll be able to find out these secrets like when yeah. you see this online or are you seeing tons of free content and you're seeing a guy who has who like he's like Gary Vee's like I talk about all this stuff because I did it and now I'm sharing it like I, I did what I thought worked it yeah. worked and now I'm sharing it so I'm conveying yeah. ideas as opposed to like you want passive income? You know, like yeah. there is a difference and I yeah. totally get it. And he's never selling anything. That's a big yeah. difference. And on the, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I have a response to Tim Dillon who gives Gary Vee a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about it because I don't, because I love when Tim Dillon makes fun of Gary Vee. I yeah. think it's hilarious, but I, I don't think. <laughs> he, he thinks Gary Vee banned him from the internet. It does. Because he said, I put a video out. He was on Rogan criticizing Gary Vee. He got it pulled, you know, and I respect that because I love power. <laughs>
<laughs> and again, Joe Rogan's just cracking up. He's like, but he got me pulled. He probably made a call, Joe. He probably <laughs> called YouTube. Hi, guys. Hi, Travis. He probably called CEO and got me pulled. But I respect that because I love power. <laughs> or no, but, but, I, but that's okay because I respect power. That's what he said. <laughs> and he's like, why would you? And he's like, why would you think Gary Vee would care and pull your video? He's like, well, I also threatened to kill the president. Maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to kill the president, Gary. It was his poop on him, but he said some other things that got him banned. Obviously, yeah. Gary didn't care. But uh, yes. he had another line like that. He was like, he was like, he's like, do I want to see uh, Glenn Maxwell walk? If she's gonna do the show, yes. But otherwise, I, I really can't care. <laughs> is, is she gonna do the show? No. Okay, then she can go to jail. His stuff on the trial, his tweets about the trial. I have to go back and read oh them. My God, they are just that perfect like sliver of whatever he's doing. Yeah. Every time, like yeah. he just. It's yeah, very it's rare to find a comic whose perspective cuts on every... Yeah. We do a lot of Tim Dillard worshipping, but it's just like you watch his brand yeah. of things, and he's only trying to be himself as best yeah. he can. It's like it's always the way well, he would perceive it. That, and he says something worth thinking yeah. and could never express the way a comic should, but... You know, I mean, the reason he he's infiltrated my infiltrated my infiltrated. mind so much is because he he has a way of thinking, yeah, and he almost teaches you to think like he does through his comedy. So like, right. so you can look at a new story and be like, oh, what would Tim think about this? And he's like, this and is fun. what, he, and he'll say like, and good, the, like the best comics can do. That's the skill. It's like this is what you're thinking. You just don't know it, right? And he'll say like, I don't know what he says about Ghislaine Maxwell, but certain hilarious things. Oh, he, I mean, he. The last thing he was saying, uh, well, 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 I don't well, remember it offhand. I just remember reacting yeah. like, oh, yeah. and you always go like this because it's like, that's what I yeah. think. I think <laughs> I think he was basically saying like, whatever she did, she did it with such class that like America, you just have to let her walk. Like no, no one did it classier than she did. And in general, <laughs> even if it's like crazy, what he's also pointing out is how disproportionate the coverage of this insane story is. Mm-hmm. And no one, not only is no one covering it, and they're ignoring it and all the details of it and not gushing over it. No one's talking about the fact that no one's covering it except yeah. a few people. Yeah. Maybe Crystal and oh, Cigar well, yeah, bring yeah, it up. He, I don't know. I don't he, watch them. But, but like, no one's talking about yeah. the fact that this massive story yeah. involving and implicating so many influential yeah. people is happening and the major news networks are not covering it and you've got yeah. to ask why. And it makes you conspiratorial because you're just like... It's such a glaringly good point. Yeah. And every comment he makes on yeah. the try, he's like, huh, nothing on CNN yeah, about yeah. this. He, hmm. he said it so beautifully. He's like, he's like, why do I know more about Kyle Rittenhouse than I do about Jeffrey Epstein? Why do I know more about like a teenage boy than I do about Jeffrey Epstein? Right. So just think about it. Ask yourself that question. Why are the media companies telling us more about him and not him? Yes. It's a good question. I don't know what the question. answer is, but it's a good question. I don't know. Question. It's a good question. Yeah. It's a good question. <laughs> Anytime I could do Tim Dillon, I'm down to do it. It's a good question. It's good. It's good. Ooh. I love it. It's great. It's great. Anderson, don't talk about it. <laughs> don't talk about it, Anderson. Um, um, well, anyway, oh, wait, so, so my response to him, him about, about Gary, Gary is, is back to what we were saying before, is we, gra- we all graduate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really tie this all in. Yeah. Uh, we graduated at a time where you really had to pivot and figure out your own strategy because everything that came before wasn't working. And the anymore. adults in the room had no and answers. The boomers did not. Like, I mean, like I mean, Tim Dillon's. I was like, they're the worst parenting generation. They they did not prepare us generally, mm-hmm. and like especially once finance collapsed and marketing wasn't hiring, all that, like we were really left on our own to our own devices to figure things out. They put a lot of pressure on us and gave us very little skills. <laughs> no answers. And no answers. When it happened, they were like, 
Yeah. Well, supposed to be like this. Hey, you can't find a job? You should show up to their office. <laughs> show up to their office and with a handwritten letter. That'll get their attention. <laughs> All right, thanks. So, so, so we had to figure it out. And, and not only did we not have the hard skills, yeah. we also didn't have the soft skills to be like, how do I shift? How do I adapt? How do I start to think for myself and right. come up with ideas and execute? And there were people like Gary Vee who provided answers for us. And like... It's interesting you use the word soft skills. You know that that's like his thing for his new book. No, I didn't know that. Skills. I didn't know he that. Talked, I think we all focus so much on hard skills. I want to focus on soft skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, and, and like you needed some sort of framework. Listen, I think if you're 40 and you're still listening to Gary Vee every day to like to, to like start a company, something's wrong. But if you're 22 and you need just a starting place of like, all right, how do I go about figuring out mm-hmm. like some other plan because everything else isn't working? He's a really good place to start of like re rewiring your mind a little bit of like, so I'm not going to get a nine to five job. What do I do? I'm going to start here. And, th- and then you mature and you he, sophisticate and you, yeah. And, and he, for me, he provided that, I think a little bit, I think mm-hmm. for you also. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't discover him until I was ready to throw. I mean, I discovered him later. I don't think I discovered him in my 20s or identified what, when the, uh, the first Gary V video I probably ever came across was like this guy in a beanie. Shoot, I'm wearing one. He was like, um, I'm actually cold. It's winter over here. He was, uh, he was, uh, he was like, I used to never go to LA. Uber has single-handedly changed where I go. I didn't go to fucking LA. I couldn't get around. Forget it. Forget it. I didn't have the time. Now I go, Uber has changed fucking everything. Now I'm in LA three times, three times a year. And I go and I enjoy it. And like I'm like, whoa, this guy's it was intense. It was like a Facebook video or something. I think your Gary V is morphing into Tim Dillon a little bit. Maybe I didn't go to LA, it's Uber. (laughs) Maybe fresh off of Team AD, it's it's something. But he I saw this guy screaming at a room, and he used to focus more on like loser winner language. He doesn't do that anymore. It's a little different now. Mm -hmm. He's kind of evolved out of that. He'd be like, You wanna fucking lose? You're gonna fucking lose. Stop (laughs) complaining. You're gonna lose. You wanna and that's why I fucking win. So it was very much a little bit of that, a little Uh machismo stuff and that but I used to see a lot of that. And I didn't feel like it was really speaking to me because because I start I took his advice without taking his advice in a sense. Like Mm -hmm. his whole thing, one of his best points I've seen him make consistently, and it doesn't translate fully well to the Orthodox Jewish dilemma of like work providing there's a little bit of a different standard in a different time frame like timeline that you're on but um his big thing is we have it backwards we tell these kids to go safe for like 10 years save up whatever and then maybe try things that are risky you should be doing the riskiest create weirdest things that have maybe the biggest payoff but the biggest risk reward Mm -hmm. ratio in your early 20s but but do it independently. Room, get a room, a shitty apartment with ten roommates. You have no wife, no kids yet, and you can just like eat peanut butter sandwiches and save and like build your skills and your ability to save and get financially, you know, savvy, prudent, but also like do experiment, play around, figure out what you are. You don't know mm-hmm. yet, as opposed to like going into this box where you're never going to learn anything about yourself. Yeah, and then you'll find yourself fifteen years later saying, "What have I? What am I? What have I done? I don't even know what I don't even know myself or what I like or I haven't tried anything." Yeah. and he's very he emphasizes. Well, no, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at what I'm thinking. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So he goes. Um, he he emphasizes that a lot. Now, the what I would I venture to ask him is, he's like, "You'll get fucking married when you're 40, and then you can Netflix and chill." I'm like, well, you can't do that in our community. Right. Like, he doesn't yeah. quite know that. Right. And I wonder what he would say to that. He would say he would probably say, "I know what he would." Say. I understand priorities are if, if that's very important to you, you have to figure it out. I get it. It's a trade off, bro. Like, just decide and have no regrets. 
stop caring about other people. You know, he would just say <laughs> yeah. like, be happy with your decisions yeah. and just don't one way or other, or figure out how to turn a side hustle yeah. and make it work. His big thing is don't complain, but his big thing is yeah. emphasis wise is we teach these kids like, Go for these safer jobs yeah. in the beginning as opposed to like that's not when you have responsibilities. You, most most 23-year-olds don't have kids. They don't have a family or a house. Yeah. Like room with 10 people, eat shit for 40 years. And then and he started yeah. making content when he was 34. So it's yeah. like interesting to me. The fir- I'm, I'm remembering now the first time I saw him, I, was inv- I went to this um, like tech job fair conference that a friend of mine – it was like $300 but a friend of mine got me in for free. In New York? In New York, yeah. yeah it was um, – yeah, I I wasn't I was like I must have been like 26 and I didn't know who he was but he was doing a panel and I was standing in the back watching and this guy gets up I had no idea who he I was. Know what you're going this guy this gets up and asks a question of like, "Hey Gary, it's like, you know, I'm working really hard but it's not really working out. My startup's like not moving in the direction what should I do?" And he just takes a minute and he goes, "Stop lying to yourself. Stop, look in the mirror. Go home." <laughs> Stop lying to yourself. And I my mind I, I my head exploded. I what was like, did you think he meant by that? Like, I, what did you see in the guy that he saw in the guy that well, he was speaking like, to? Well, it's like, what did I see in myself? That, sure, that, that, I'm just that saying, why did to? it resonate? What was, Did he nail it with that response? It resonated. Um, because he would have been more kind these days, I think. I don't, yeah, yeah, no, it was mean. It was yeah. mean, but um, f- I don't know. I don't. I think this I, guy wasn't putting in the work and he picked up on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. I mean, what I saw in myself was. He didn't um, ask any follow up Time he, out. He didn't ask any follow up questions to that. He just said, stop lying yourself, one word answer. I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. Because right. I was like, that's a big presumption. Yeah. Okay. So he yeah, probably yeah, arrived at that and yeah. he said, have you been there? Yeah. Stop lying yourself. Okay. It was at the time I was I was writing a TV pilot because mm-hmm. I had I just had to get it out mm-hmm. of myself. And I was also looking for product jobs. And and I think and I think like what I heard was like you can spend your energy making excuses um, and feeling bad and frustrated and complaining, or you can spend that energy actually working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something like that. Um, and you were definitely doing the former. I mean, I, I wasn't doing either. I wasn't truly writing this thing and going forward, and I wasn't truly trying to get a job and product. Mm-hmm. And like when I heard that, I think. And you might have not even been like, truly complaining about it. You've just you were just limboing. Yeah, I was I was limboing. Mm-hmm. I was limboing, and 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 just it was it, it, it. What it meant to me was like go for one thing and go for it, and shut up and go for it, and and stop stop getting up at conferences and being like, why isn't my startup working? Like, right. you think I have the answer for you? Mm-hmm. Like, there's something that you know that that you already know. So go home and and fix it. Don't mm-hmm. like why are you even here asking me about your startup? That is harsh. I yeah. I would assume he asked a few follow-up questions and discovered this guy wasn't doing anything. Um I hope because maybe there yeah, are people who are like applying this wasn't working and like things aren't clicking in the right way. So I I, I don't think you have to I don't think you have to ask follow-up questions because I I truly do think if you're getting up at a conference and asking Gary V a question instead of at home working on your startup, that's the answer. <laughs> that's the answer. You spend a day online waiting for Gary V to, to, to give you some broad general thing. He's not looking at you. I'm your, really curious because you know, that, I'm sure that response was crystallized for you. Yeah. I'm really curious just what the question was, what the question revealed about the questioner, what was yeah. going on. Because that's a bold statement. It's presumptuous if he just said that. Because there is a form of that question that is valid. Like there's a form of that question where it's like, what other you might have you might at Gary V yeah. like this, this you might possess creative ways of looking at something that I'm not seeing like and he does that a lot like he's I've seen I've seen people like clips of people in his office mm-hmm. like people who are done it to it who are like make have t- huge followings and they have questions mm-hmm. like people who you would say oh they must be killing it but they have questions on what they're doing wrong mm-hmm. so then that also tells you something mm-hmm. it tells you like I remember just to pause that for a second like being in a room on Clubhouse with these creators 
And it was both encouraging and discouraging, or it was just like, whoa, top of the hill, foot of the mountain kind of thing. I'm in this room with these creators. Hey, and they're like a bunch of YouTube creators and like question and answer Q&A, you know, best practices, tips and tricks on growth. Hey, so I've been on YouTube for a few years, been able to grow it a little bit, have, uh, you know, 60 million subscribers. <laughs> No joke, millions of subs. I'm now trying to figure out, like, I'm like, you have questions. <laughs> this guy is still, like, uh, like frustrated or trying to figure out, like, something's not working that he needs to improve on at, at an insane number. I was yeah. like, whoa, I'm generating this amount of months, so that's good. But I feel like, and I'm like, you know, top of the hill, foot of the mountain. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I'm looking at. And I'm like, wow, okay. So I guess I'm in the right room, but... The complaining will never end or the, or the, not the complaining, the, there's no, like, you don't reach paradise. You don't mm -hmm. reach the, you know, Garden of Eden and you're like, I've done it. I'm here. I've arrived. Finished. It's yeah. like, no, it's constant yeah. until you decide to slow down. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing to think about, which I've seen many, many times in different areas mm -hmm. in my career as well. But the point is that I've seen people in Gary V's room and his content and they're yeah. asking stuff. But then he answers because I think he knows they, they're doing the right – he's not going to tell yeah. them stop lying to yourself. He says, oh, you guys should throw an event. Yeah. If you want to increase your subscriber, yeah. you should throw an event and have a crazy thing that everyone talks about. Like have a huge art installation that everyone's going to take pictures with. Tag your event and, that, and it'll maximize its impact yeah. online. And they're like, that's a great idea. So right. I guess when he's – and like maybe he's speaking with people at his speed he, or who knows that they'll take his – you know, he, he this picked, guy wasn't there. He clearly. might have picked something up but then back to Dylan, I also remember thinking like – I, I I love that line. I'm right. gonna go home and think about it. Yeah. But also, also this guy might just be like a sh like a provocateur because mm -hmm. like that's a that's a very provocative answer, and everyone now in the room is sitting up. Oh, Gary might. Yeah, be. yeah, and like it may, maybe it helps this guy, maybe it doesn't. But now everyone's listening to him, and this guy is interesting. And right. like, I remember noticing that about him. Like there were videos where he was interviewed, and he was like. I used to be very uncomfortable. He's like, I used to be very uncomfortable at conferences because a marketing guy would get up there and give a whole presentation, and then it was my turn. I said, I'm respectfully, everything he just said is bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> which is satisfying. Be like, I'm sorry, and like he would go next. Next yeah. up, we have Gary Vaynerchuk, CEO of Gary, you know, VaynerMedia, and he goes, everything you just heard is fucking bullshit. <laughs> you know, that is old, old thinking, and like people hate him in old advertising. They hate him. Yeah, you know, um, and he's like, that's why I'm winning and they're losing. They're complaining because they're losing. So they shit on me. And that's okay. I don't care about other people's opinions. I don't care about their negativity. I don't even think about it. I feel bad for them. I have empathy for them. Um, <laughs> but what was I going to say? Oh, what's your response to Tim Dillon about Gary Vee? So how do you defend Gary Vee to Tim oh, no, Dillon? So, so, my, so although Gary Vee, I think, is a little bit of like a showboat, snake oil salesman, he's not really saying anything. Yeah. And, 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 and I think Tim Dillon's general response is like, is like, yeah, you should take 10 years off if you have talent mm -hmm. and figure it out. Nine out of 10 people don't have any talent, so stop telling these talentless people to waste 10 years of their life. They should get a job at Walmart and work their Most way up. people should <laughs> fall in line, Joe. Yeah, they should yeah. fall in line. Yeah. Fall in line. <laughs> take your pay. Go home. Yeah. Watch a movie. Go to sleep. Yeah, that's what he would say. Where, where he's, he's like, you're, you're convincing people to, to go out and try something when they have no business doing that and you're getting paid by them in some, in, in some sense, whatever views, clicks, whatever. Meanwhile, you're making money off them. They're losing all their money and destroying their lives and you're just kind of going on. But what, <laughs> that's what, the joke, though. That's, that the, that, that's the joke. But Matt, I think that... Fall in line. <laughs> most people should fall. I love that whole rant he goes on. I think it was on Lex it, Fridman's yeah. podcast or Joe Rogan. Most people shouldn't do that. 
<laughs> Fall in line. You're not. It's not worth it. Yeah. He did like he used to do a bus tour and like um he was like doing a tour and like these girls from the Midwest were like we have friends now who like moved to New York and they're like they're working on Broadway as actresses and they think they're so much better than us now. He's like they are, they are better than you. <laughs> that was in his New York tours. Yeah, he used to, he used to be like uh, I know, yeah, and he yeah, would yeah, say yeah. Dude, that darkness. <laughs> I would just. <laughs> Yeah, he would say, go home. (laughs) You don't belong here. The irony is what? I mean, Tim Dillon fell in line. His whole story reflects the antithesis of that. No, but he was sold some prime mortgages and no, worked there, right, and then said, "I'm a comic now." The, and everyone's like, "Don't be a comic." Right. So, because the talent was like juiced out of him through this like suffering of like, "This is I have to do this thing," but he actually has talent. Where I mean, I, is I, talent something you're born with or something you nurture? It's, it's a little bit yeah. of both. I don't, ag- I don't agree with him. I think everyone has. Something he doesn't agree to with him. That's the right, joke. Right, right, right. I think he's just pointing out that obvious fear right. or that well, obvious thing that's glaring that Gary doesn't really say. So he's saying the unsaid thought, but what about if these people suck? No, no, I, I, th- I think what he says is Gary doesn't really say anything concrete. That's it. He doesn't say anything concrete. And so he's like, well, yeah, anyone, he's like, Naval can go on podcasts and be like, everybody can be rich. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like hearing that? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like hearing hustle, work, work, work? You know, it's like a very easy, non-concrete thing to say. But what I would say back to Tim Dillon is that at a certain point in your life, if you're trying to pivot and figure that out, that actually is very valuable to hear if you're not hearing it from your parents or your friends mm-hmm. Or anyone else in your life, um, for like a time, for a time and place, that's very good. Past that, I think Tim Dillon's right. You should move on from well, that. Well, because Gary Vee's not a comedian, and Tim Dillon is, right? So it's a little bit of an unfair advantage because mm-hmm. Tim Dillon can exist between serious and unserious. So he's pointing out what's funny about it. That's right. what I do when I do the parody stuff. I say ridiculous shit. Right. The reason I think it's funny is because we're all thinking that, like, obviously, like. Like vague advice or terror or like actually terrible advice. What if Gary Vee was your doctor, right? Honestly, I think that pain is just negativity. That's right. just in your head. It's like, no, Gary, <laughs> my foot is swollen. Honestly, somebody put that thought into your head, okay? Stop caring about other people's opinions, especially doctors. Doctors. I mean, awful advice. Yeah. And that's the joke. But I'm exaggerating what Tim is seeing too, I think. But I think that what's interesting is there are videos of Gary Vee here and there that I've come across where he's like, the problem right now is the reverse is happening. Too many people think it's cool to be an entrepreneur, and they might not be suited for that. Maybe they should do things that are more stable for them. Because mm-hmm. Gary Vee's message ultimately isn't about hustle and grind and talent and success. It's like happiness, mm-hmm. which is a cringy thing to swallow. He also doesn't but, seem like a very happy person. He's like the... Uh, happy, healthy, no, he, I'd say. I don't, he doesn't seem like a healthy person. I admit, Could be, but he actually seems to be so positive. He's just brewing with positivity and so happy. And he's like, I'm talking about happy. Don't you want to be? He's like, I, and he's not. He's not about rich life either. He has this message all the time. Look, I know this because he's a workaholic. So work he makes loves him happy. it. No, because so he loves yeah. it. It's like he, if you're an alcoholic, you should you should be drinking alcohol every single day. Well, It'll make you feel good. No, no, no. <laughs> Happiness, real happy. He says, you know how many people fucking cry in their Ferraris? I know many people crying in their fucking Ferraris. So stop yeah. trying to chase this shit. And he, and he talks about people who want to be entrepreneurs because it seems cool and there's like this cachet and yeah. coolness to it. And it's so much more work mm-hmm. than getting a nine to five. Yeah. Like you're working all the time. But he's like, I love the work. I love the process. I love sh- like bringing my father's bottles of wine out to my fucking liquor store. <laughs> he loves that stuff. Yeah. And he's like, that's why I love it. I love business. I love starting from the bottom. I love building it up. Uh-huh. So he's about the process, not about getting to a Ferrari where you can have passive income. Yeah. So if you listen enough, which mm-hmm. I, I've I've – had to. If you listen enough, you yeah. really discover most of what he's saying can be reduced to you're complaining about something. Stop doing that. If he's like, you can watch Netflix and chill and live a modest life, but don't complain that you're not don't have a yacht. 
So don't have the yacht and be happy with a simpler 75K salary, whatever. Right. He's, he's all about anything that is like leading to somebody's happiness. Right. I think early days Gary Vee was <coughs> winners, fucking losers, but that's still translated. Fair. He's like, I, was a, I would be perceived as a loser, he would say. Like, you know, when I'm taking my father's bottles, serving it to my friends who were partying on the weekend when I was tw in my 20s, and they're like, Gary's not doing shit, he's just working at this liquor store. And I would bring champagne out to my friends' cars who were all going to party on the weekends and putting in their cars. Bye, guys. Back then you would have said I was the loser. Right. And... And most of the stuff, when I've, I've seen enough of it on the scope, on the macro, you'll find your videos that you can point to um, where it's like, oh, that's ridiculous. And that's where you can have fun. And that's mm -hmm. where Tim Dillon has right, fun. Right, right. But ultimately, he's, they're not even saying different things. Tim Dillon's saying people should fall on. The question is a matter of degree. <laughs> Tim Dillon says most people should fall on and not try things. Well, they're better than you. But Gary Vee's message is like, if you think you have something, yeah. don't complain. Figure out a way yeah. to try to do it. Because most of you are just saying, I want and not... And not doing yeah. what to, to get to, and not doing anything to get there. You're just like you want this, you want that. You know. I think the through line is probably between the both of them, Tim Dillon and Gary Vee, is be honest with yourself. Yeah. Be honest with yourself about how much talent you have and right. how much work you're willing to put in right. to, to get so, what you to want. nurture it. If it's there yeah. a little, maybe go a lot or whatever it is. But like put in the work. Yeah, it'd be amazing if they dated. <laughs> what a power couple. <laughs> is he married? Yeah. Garrett is still. Yeah, he's got little kids. Still. Married with kids, I think. Yeah. Still. He doesn't talk about it. He's not public with the family stuff. Yeah. With his own family. How old was he when he got married? Um, that's a good kids. question. That's a good question. It would be consistent with 50, whatever. Was he, how old is no, he now? I think he's 46 or oh, something. Okay. Probably maybe I'm married in his I'm 30. Like I, have no, I have no idea. I, don't no, I mean, which isn't, I mean. Unreasonable. <laughs> it's not unreasonable at all. And it's, uh, I wish I was as wealthy as he was in his late 30s. Um. But, no, he has a family and values all yeah. that stuff, too. So he really – the thing is Gary Vee provides enough things that he's saying and enough things that he's not saying to yeah. have wiggle room to get out of any accusation, right. too. And I'm sure Tim Dillon <laughs> – I would point that right. out. He's like, I never said that. Look, I'm not really after money. I don't give a fuck about yeah. money. I would give it all away because I love the process. Yeah. Well, what I would give to be poor <laughs> right now? It's like, what? They're supposed to sit, sit down with each other and have a sit down. His people Are they? out to him, yeah. I, I got to get in on, on the that. Patreon. Yeah, that it's developing. They're not uh, that. Yeah, that they're planning a sit down. <laughs> Apparently, Gary Vee's like pissed at him or something. No and they way, wanna, not oh, real. I don't really know. They're doing know that yet. for publicity. I don't know what it is. Um, Did you see Jake Paul knock out Tyron Woolley, the boxing? Uh, yeah, I saw the clip. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it seems real to me. But what do I know? Yeah. Either Who, way, did Jake Paul do anything before he was a boxer? I mean, a, I know he did, but what did he do? It's really a remarkable story because they are like he's a villain in a sense. Like yeah. his persona is this douchebag villain that you want to hate but have to respect. Was he? Isn't it crazy? Who started, Logan or Jake? The two of them they, were brothers uh -huh. making early YouTube videos as that. little kids, prank videos like the Nelk Boys. Yeah. Like, yeah. that kind of stuff and they continued and it's like this it's a it's a, just a remarkable story like logan paul became epically canceled for a video he did about a like suicide forest in japan oh that was him yeah he got like banned <laughs> oh, from twitter i i, he sort I of, didn't yeah i know the so story. they did these videos as like adolescent kids they go to japan and they were like disrespectful and they were like punky kids doing silly stuff and built up like Vine followings, I think, mm -hmm. like massive, and YouTube followings. But Vine, they were big Vine. I discovered them on Vine. Like, mm -hmm. Of all the funny videos I was watching on Vine of these funny characters and people, um, they were one of them who would come up on Vine, which was the, the TikTok before TikTok. It was the perfect setup for TikTok. Mm -hmm. Seven to 15 second funny videos. King Batch and all these yeah. mega new YouTube star YouTube influencers. Why did they end it? 
I don't know. It was so strange. I it, remember when they announced it. It was so strange. Something. It could have been like a business financial problem. Like mm-hmm. nobody paid for it, and maybe there wasn't enough time to get advertising. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but I'm sure it was an internal problem. Not because people didn't yeah. like it. I no, loved it. The guy who invented it is like a genius. He he then invented that trivia HQ trivia right after that. Right. Um, HQ. Yeah, and and now and now he invented the biggest like crypto NFT game, like mass player game that's going on. I just remember Vine being like. There was so much talent and amazingness here. It, it was the fetal stages of TikTok because t- Vine was full of crazy stuff. It was stuff. a new format. And it was like so short and so funny yeah. and so interesting. And then I'm like, what happened to all those people? It disappeared. Mm-hmm. And then TikTok came and they all came back. Okay. It was like, <laughs> Empire. It was like, a, it was like a sequel. <laughs> bah, 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 here we are. Like the Avengers. It felt like yeah. the Avengers of content funny, funny <laughs> content returned. Like they were all killed at like the end of <laughs> Avengers Endgame when they all returned. This time, TikTok, <laughs> and I see all these guys again. And yeah. let alone they have all millions of followers. Like right. within a few, I don't yeah. know how, how long it took to build that back up, but they were very quickly there. Yeah. And there were these massive stars created from yeah. it. Logan Paul and Jake Paul mm-hmm. were with this duo brother duo yeah. that did stuff. He he went into Japan and there's this forest that was known for people that would go and commit suicide or mm-hmm. depressed. And like he filmed the guy who was hanging there. Like he was like, holy oh, shit, wow. there's the guy over there. And like I was like, yeah, in his videos, he does this provocative stuff. But this one struck a chord of how disrespectful it was. And then it the mob just mm-hmm. took off. I started seeing hashtags trending, you know, uh, cancel Jake Paul, uh, cancel Logan Paul. Like, hey, uh, you know, I hate Logan Paul. Like it just was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he had to um take himself off, whatever, uh, Twitter. He they banned him or he said, Yeah, they shut it down. Him, right? All of it. Then he had to try to, he tried a few comebacks. I remember following it a little bit. He sat down with Casey Neistat uh-huh. and he was like, so, and he was trying to be real. Logan was, and Casey <laughs> was just like, yeah, but you knew what you were doing, man. Don't, don't pretend like you like totally regret it. Like this was, was like, this was what you were about. Like, don't you feel like your chase for superstardom? I, 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 I wish you could see it from my point of view. I need sunglasses, Michael, but honestly, Logan, he looks like he has dentures. Casey he looks, looks like he has he dentures. He looks scary. He looks scary. I knew I wanted to be a vlogger. <laughs> he, he looks like he has dentures, right? But he turns to, there's a, and this is a bit of an uncomfortable interview where he yeah. presses Logan Paul on his shtick. He's like, you're trying to come, and Logan was trying to be all like, I just feel like I really learned. And he's like, you didn't learn shit. You just, they hated you for it. So you're regretting it. That's not the same as learning. (laughs) It was awkward. But then I guess naturally Logan Paul seems to have matured and like become a real like content media person. Mm -hmm. And I respected that, like his show and everything. Impulsive. Impulsive. He has a podcast called Impulsive, right? That started next after that. Impulsive. It started next. That's like like phase two or three or whatever of his thing. Uh And I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, he started this podcast. And like, he sort of waited out the canceledness of his Mm. brand. And like, eventually it came back because he kept, I guess, pushing through and putting stuff out. And he has this podcast with his crew of people. I don't know how it formed. I don't know the inside of it. Uh, And then his brother Jake has become this bad boy and they both got into boxing. Oh, and that happened after this suicide fire incident. Yeah, later uh, on, like because they were like teenagers or twenty year olds then, yeah. and now they're like a little older adults and yeah. started training for boxing. Oh, they're beasts! Oh my god! And and have become pro boxers yeah. effectively yeah. because they 
what, what, like I was watching Joe Rogan about it, and he was like, what you have to respect, forget their skills as a boxer. Like, they have garnered attention yeah, well, of the that's world, the whole... and now everyone wants to watch, and he fights Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. And, and I don't, I, I'm sure, like, Mayweather could have won, or they held it up, but, like, he has, he has created demand yeah. in a world that's so saturated, the both of them. Yeah. So you have to respect them, whether you hate them or right. they're these classic frat boy douchebag vibe. Right. Like, you have to be like... This is incredible, yeah. and I and like as I watch more and more of it, they be, he becomes more likable. Jake Paul, I think, intentionally is the villain, yeah. and plays that. Yeah, he's just more like whatever, dude. I don't fucking care. I'll knock him out. I'll knock <laughs> anyone else flop me. I'm just the greatest there ever was. I'm probably greater than Muhammad Ali, <laughs> Tyson yeah. Woolley from Ferguson, Missouri. Tyson, little soft, tight, tight. What is it, Tyron Woolley? Little uh, tight. You're soft, bro. You're soft. They have this like. <laughs> And they have this like beef that seems really yeah. palpable. But yeah. then after the fight, they kind of do this yeah. thing. So you're like, you guys both just made half yeah. a million dollars or whatever half it was. Half a million, way more than that. I don't the first know much fight was about, half, so the second one was probably more. I don't know much about boxing, but I know most of it. Is, I mean, you have to obviously know how to box, but most of it is booking fights. Like who who can book massive fights? Who can pull the draw? Yeah, yeah. And that's how it. you can do it. And they, can, and they and, pay the yeah, boxers. And, that, and he's the best at it now, apparently. Yeah. These guys... They got no signing bonus, no 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 studio signed them, no one. They yeah. just did it themselves yeah. through the grind of the new media that we're in, and it's like remarkable yeah. to see I that in, they've become the center of culture. It's uh, like what? And uh, everyone, everyone yeah. out there, because they're bigger than people who've been in the game for twenty years. Yeah. And it's like you have to admire that. You cannot. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like NBA. It's like athletes that have bad personas, and everyone's like, he's just the best on the court, and we hate it, but it's right. true. And as, as this skill at garnering attention in a world that's so saturated, yeah. I have nothing but respect for that because I don't know how they did it. You know that Ty- in order to have a rematch, Jake Paul made, is it Tyron Woolley? I think Tyron. I don't know. He, he's, an, he's an MMA fighter, retired, but he made him, he's like, he's like, you want a rematch? He's like, yeah, only if you tattoo, only if you get a tattoo that says, I love Jake Paul. He goes, <laughs> I will. This happened in the ring. And then he tweets a picture of his finger that says, I love Jake Paul, like inside his, his finger. finger? So in the inside, Why would you do it there? <laughs> so you never have to see it. You, there's when, plenty of places on your body. Yeah, you, you could, could do your foot, I guess. Do like the inside but of he your did leg, it. I tiny, little, Paul. tiny. Could all be a stunt that we're falling for, like their best buds. In you <laughs> um, could. It pr- you probably, uh, probably suspect is. it is. Anyway, no, I was, well, you said yourself, these guys, this is what they do. They 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 make stories. Yeah. That's what Jake yeah, Paul said about the Allen boys. I watched the clip after you told me about it. And he was like, look, man, that was great. And he's like the other guy felt terrible. He's like, yeah. you didn't do anything. Don't worry. He's such a professional. He's like, he's like, this is what we do. We, yeah. we make, we create stories about. He ourselves. was saying that's that's all they can can do right. is make these viral moments. I thought he was talking about it like from a seasoned professional of like knowing how to garner attention. Sure, this that's is why he it. was able to be to to not to like to see right through it. Oh yeah, like immediately he was like, so what are you guys gonna do if this doesn't work and out? And he didn't want it to dominate the show. He's like, guys, we're done. You can go. We get. I got what you just did. They yeah, made it up. Yeah, and he's, yeah, like, yeah. he's like, I got it. Good, good. You did good. Go. So there's a moment where Logan Paul comes off as like a he's like the big the adult in the room. He's like, nice one, guys. You got us. You did your thing. Totally. You used yeah. our platform and you made a stink. And now everyone's going to talk about it. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. But what's interesting is you could tell like whatever the Island Boys are, it, it's a blip because they're so. I I I don't I haven't listened to the music. I think it's oh, a blip just because of how um, confrontational they are. How do how do you sustain a career being that confrontational with everyone you meet? Unless I mean, they're was, brilliant was, and they're like, we're not confrontational, man. We, we're uh, yeah, Harvard maybe. grads. I didn't get that vibe. I didn't get that vibe from them. Me they're like not. brothers who aren't used to getting any love from anyone and they just don't know how to handle <laughs> did you, it. Did you see Chris D'Elia's rant on them? 
No, is he's, he? Crystal Lee is still. Uh, he's, he's making his way, crawling his way back yeah. into it, which was which was interesting. Was like he went. He has his thing where there's controversy around him, and he's kicked off. And then the fighter and the kid, which I really like that podcast, which is um, which is uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on both their names. The fighter and the kid. Who's on the fighter and the kid? Oh, is it that dude the, from Rogan's Friends? Yeah, who talks uh, like is this? He's like you. Brian bo- Callen. Brian Callen yeah. and I don't know. You know his oh, name? Uh, Joe, not Joey Diaz. Uh, savages, fucking savages. The dude, that cool dude who fights Joey something. Joey Morano. No, I, I'm blanking. I follow yeah. this stuff all yeah, the time. Not he's Joey a thick. Diaz. He's a former MMA fighter. And he yeah. Talks like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, Brian Callen. Yeah. Don't think about it. It'll come to you. Yeah, you got to, oh, it's on your phone. We got to look that up because it's killing me now because like, I'm a fan. I follow yeah. the stuff, so I would, it's D'Elia. His name might also be Brian Callen. <laughs> no, no. So it's Brian Callen, Chris D'Elia. Well, Chris D'Elia was a frequent guest on Fighter and the Kid. Uh-huh. Until. Um, you know it's killing me, Mike. This, this is good content. It's killing me slowly. Anyway, I mean, the comment section, anyone who's watching this is like yeah. screaming at it, like, because you know. Joey? Joey? I think it's Joey something. It's definitely not. It's David? Huh? David? MMA. David? He's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, been, he looks like he just got punched right before the episode. Yeah. He's like, oh, very swollen. Um, Let's not think about it for a second yeah, for the dead air. Up. Yeah. But he's like, I'm oh, back on that show now. I was like, oh, is that over now? Like in the whole cancelness, I know there's like a lot to talk about about yeah. the cancel culture <laughs> and the Me Too movement and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you also didn't want it to happen to people you liked. Speaking of... Wait. <laughs> wait. Um, point is that well, I see that show, you, ba- right? that, that show when is back. That show is back now. Who? Chris D'Elia. <laughs> you guys used to be in touch. No, but he was on... He was, I'm saying the podcast has reformed and it's like back and it's Delia. Cool. And I see clips now. Of, and it's yeah. probably kind of like... And, and Chris D'Elia is like... <laughs> they're talking. He's like, oops, oops. You interrupted me. Oops. Because I was speaking... I don't have a good impression, even though he's so impressive. So impre- I, 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 such a guy you can imitate, but he's like, oops, oops, guy, I was talking. I was talking, you know? And then he goes, the sweatshirt, somebody gave it to me. And he eats salami like this. <laughs> and, and Brian was like, don't, don't eat it like that. Hey, 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 don't eat it like that. Don't do your thing. Don't do it. Don't do it. And his name is, I keep trying Noam. to think of it. Noam. <laughs> no. It's something, it's something ethnic. Michael, I'm sorry to do this. They do this on Rogan, right, where they look stuff up? Yeah. I don't have internet on this freaking computer. What am I doing? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'll figure it out. It's just killing me right now. Um, Brian Callen, Chris D'Elia, and... Anyway. I, what, think, I think we have to move on. What did you want to talk about? It's, for some reason, it bothers oh, me. Speaking of canceled comedians doing specials, Louis mm-hmm. just came out with a special. And I, I only watched a clip so far. Right. I, I want to watch the whole thing right. together and talk about it. Right. But I watched a clip, and for the first minute, all I could think about was this, this was, isn't the, a... was the thing, the context yeah. of him getting canceled, right. kind of apologizing, but like kind of making fun of the apology, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and, and that was going to be my take on it. Like, you know, I really, like, he's just got to like, it's the only thing he should talk about because that's right. all I care about. And then, and then a minute and a half into it, I was, he's so good. I was just so lost in the joke and I was laughing and it was. You, you know, he addressed this whole thing in his previous special. No, he, he yeah, yeah. But head it, it, on. it feels, um, and 
If you, I, I don't know what to say. Did you it, see that last one when yeah, you talked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How could you have seen that last one and still and still like wait? It's not the elephant in the room I'm, anymore. I'm, I just it's just how it's just how it feels. I'm not like, saying you should be over it, but yeah. like I just wanted to make sure you were aware he that he did this other special and yeah. said, "So that's all I'm gonna say about that shit." And he's like, "You want to talk about it? Like, imagine." Everyone knows your thing. Obama knows my thing. He was like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, it, it's funny. But I, I don't know. The, the, just the feeling I have is like I want to hear more about it oh. until I'm sick of it. I don't oh, know. Okay. That's just how I feel. So I that's it. what I'm thinking. Okay, I just – you yeah, were aware yeah. that he had no, no, yeah, he no, explicitly – I know he addressed it. I guess it felt like he how didn't was your year? <laughs> substantially enough. Also, I we're, we're also coming from it from the perspective I think of most guys who are like it's not a big deal. I know most women who I talk to about it, they all agree it's a huge deal what he did. He deserved exactly. I, what I don't he got. think I'm ever going to understand it quite, and I don't think a guy maybe it's. I think it's tougher to understand if you're a guy, but apparently, it, and it, it's it tougher to understand if monstrous. you're a girl if that, that it's not a big deal and vice versa. Whatever. Right, right. Like, right. So yeah, to, so yeah, so I don't want to discount what he did. That it's like, tougher to identify in this case with. Who you the, the 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 victim the victim and the and the yeah. and the you know yeah Chris, and, and whatever crime he was yeah. whatever he was doing the you know the people who felt victimized and the people who were victimizing yeah I think it speaks maybe to a real divide in, in women's experiences with uncomfortable situations that never got the attention or the justice they deserved they just had to tolerate it mm-hmm. there's probably been a lot of women who've been with guys who put a sort of pressure on them that couldn't be qualified as anything criminal or anything to other than that's just part of like the dynamics you have to live with yeah and it's unpleasant but what are they going to say they're going to say yeah he's a douchebag don't hang out with him and they don't get the proper sympathy and this maybe was an opportunity to just vent that frustration via what was going on because if you're saying you talk to these girls they're like yes yeah. I, because I, it speaks maybe to the, some the, inner but for guys it was like we're animals we do weird shit all the time a lot yeah. of guys were like i wouldn't do that yeah but they're like they identify with the idea of like Women don't know how disgusting and crazy and we're all animals here. Yeah. And this sheds light on that. So there's a sympathy that goes out to Louis to be like, I shouldn't have done it. It's not right. right. But like we know that side of guyness, that right. perverse, pervert, but, you know, perverted side. Right. But from the female perspective, not I, I, I wouldn't want to discount it just as like that's gross. I, th- I think it's, no, it's, not gross. it's experience traumatic. traumatic. It's traumatic. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying it speaks to experience. I think a lot of women can identify with feeling traumatized oh, by an experience right. that they that didn't get any sort of got justice it, right. or that, attention that you discount as like that got discounted because they were told this is just like listen guys can be a little whatever God, pushy or horny or this and they do things or they they touch you in ways that are unwarranted right. and guys are like yeah you got to touch and then if they like it's like ask permission later better to say better to say i'm sorry than ask permission right right you know and that's and that's how guys are pressured to do it too. You got to make yeah. a move. Right. You got to be proactive slash aggressive. Those that kind of that kind of dynamic is foisted on both sexes, I think. So in this case, the guys are like, "Yeah, but like he asked and he asked if it was cool." Like, and even though like a lot of guys I know didn't identify with like what he got off on, like guys are that's why he didn't get a lot of sympathy from guys because they're like, they're like, "What?" Like <laughs> Adam Carolla when the whole thing came out was like, "So about Louis, I think there's like." Five percent of guys who want to <laughs> masturbate in front of another chick, and then there's the rest of us who want to be alone in private. Stay away. It's a solo job. If you're gonna masturbate and do it to yourself, you're gonna be alone. And then maybe there's two percent of Louis out there. So I don't get it, but I think it's overblown. <laughs> yeah. I felt pretty cool. The job was good. What? The job was good. Job. Job. <laughs> job. Yeah. I think that. And he yeah. said like so many guys want to like sort of be like or want to try to understand this, but they're like. 
when when asked about that, like, yeah, I, I, I don't feel it's, that. It's, at it's all. a tough one, and and, and, and and then he calls his special though. Sorry, which is which is yeah. it's subversive. Yeah, yeah. So like so so then you see that and you're like, sorry, I'm me. Like, yeah, or, or, or I'm going to do comedy. Like, like, I think it's sorry, like, I'm going to keep going. Right, right. But either way, it's not. It's 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 not quite. I mean, I, I guess how long do you have to own what you're doing for? But I mean, you know, he's he's what poking the last fun at the whole thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it had if it right. had a name. Anyway, but j- just to speak to his brilliance mm-hmm. with all of that in my head, a minute and a half into his routine, the comedy he took has you. me, and mm-hmm. it's like you're good, man. You're good at what you do. I'm I mean, like, when he did, he was doing. There was a set that he did fresh after the scandal, where he still kind of went out there and did a secret show. Yeah. For like supporters, art and supporters, and the room died. Yeah. And he could crush. It shows the power of the art. Like yeah. that comedy is powerful. And yeah. you really have to separate the comedy from the comedian. He's the vehicle that's doing it effectively, but it's brilliant writing and he's a brilliant comic, and that will always be there. And everybody yeah. kind of knows that. Yeah. And it's kind of like when James Brown got accused of doing horrible <coughs> things, beat his wife. I don't know what they actually at the time he was smeared and done and did terrible things and then he gets up and puts on a show and everyone loves it yeah, well, yeah, because art great people yeah. and they do that he's like it's a great show or like weird at, you know it's, it's so with comedy we assume there's this weird perception of comedy that yeah. it's it's not it's it's the person yeah it's him that's just louis up there on stage no he's doing an, he's doing an act right and like people with comedy because it's sold as so authentic and presented that way yeah. that's the brilliance of comedy and stand up in general it's so close to the person but it yeah. isn't the person they're doing an act they're doing scripted stuff yeah. everything every movement he makes is worked out but you're given the illusion that you're just right. listening to the person right and, and everyone thinks comedy right. then when somebody makes a statement in an act it's a real statement and it gets it gets this disproportionate flack and criticism yeah. when it's controversial as opposed to a movie yeah. or a song that's controversial it doesn't get the same amount right. of flack right 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 um yeah maybe i'm part of that is like part of the humor is he said you know he says the most awful things that we all think but but you know he's a good guy so you're allowed to laugh then this comes out and you're like oh you you are a sicko and then he sort of didn't like i don't i don't mean to judge with sicko but um and then well that was a- like he, he has this like really weird kind of abusive kink and then and then but then in his comedy where all that should be worked out he sort of didn't like quite address that collision of like i really am a, i really am fucking he sick let's talk about it N- not in that way of, of like well, you didn't want, like we didn't almost the whole murder like well that comes be, from a real place well that's the thing like what i thought was going to be very not you know one of the most damaging things that i thought was going to be a, a big cost to him when that happened was that whole persona i'm just a regular guy like you with all the same sick thoughts and i'm vocalizing right. and expressing I'm them just louis <laughs> and as he goes mm, yeah that I don't know. <laughs> but the second there's a little bit of real sexual yeah, perversion yeah. there and somebody who was victimized by it in some way or felt that way, right. then it undermines the whole act. You can't mm-hmm. watch it. It would be as if Quentin Tarantino was accused of beheading someone in his... In his <laughs> if Quentin Tarantino was accused of violence... Right. And or, or using the N-word casually. Right, like the like, whole oh, thing. Or was, not, was an actual racist yeah. or... Or like you found out he he like killed people. Yeah. You can't watch a. It would be much harder to watch a movie, even though it probably wouldn't, because the movie would be good. But you'd be like, "This is a problem," because your whole violence premise is that it's art. Right. You're portraying and expressing and unloading something. Right. But if you're actually violent, this is not funny anymore, right, and right, it's not right. entertaining anymore. It's sick. I'm enjoying something that's that you do, and yeah. you know. Yeah. Or if you watch a movie where people are actually murdered, it would be hard. You could never watch that. Right. The illusion is the, is the most important part yeah. of the act. Yeah. Yeah. It, it also brought into focus how rich and powerful he is, which also goes against that sort of like, I'm just Louis type of thing. He's like, 
you know, you, like he's like, have you ever lost thirty million dollars in in a day? Where mm-hmm. it's like, I was like a little less funny to push an old woman out of the way in the airport when you're making thirty million dollars. Just the, the whole. That all coming to the surface. Um, but honestly, good is, jokes are good jokes. Like that's and the thing. Then, he goes, he goes, he, it's he like, still manages to do it. He's like, my year was so bad, it's funny. You know, it's like, it's like having diarrhea, like really bad diarrhea. Eventually, you're just like, oh my God, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> At first, it's like, oh my God, it's terrible. And then if it keeps going, you're like, what is happening? You just have to laugh. You're like, I'm still shitting. So it, that was one of his jokes about yeah, it. Yeah. And everyone's like, that is like really yeah. bad diarrhea. When it's so bad, you start to just laugh like, holy crap. He, this has, is he has a podcast. <laughs> I think he moved to France. I think he moved to Paris. He has a podcast with his girlfriend who's French. Really? Talking about comedy. It's on his website and I've been meaning to listen to it. I don't know if it's a podcast. It's like it's like a 10 episode thing maybe where yeah. they just sat and talked and we should listen to that. How uh, how long are we? Are we uh, We are definitely good? at the hour and yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. good. All right. This was a good one. Maybe fresh off a Zoom call where Yeah, uh, man, I had a, I wanted to talk about What's uh that? about uh, scary dads. That, set up next week's episode. Set we up the scary dads. Those scary dads, dads when you were a little kid. That just scared you and your relationship to them now. Because I, I have a story. You. <laughs> <laughs> they scared me. But yeah, scary dads, scary moms too. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah. I got kicked out of a football party once, like a Super Bowl party in like eighth grade. I'm like, what the hell? She's like, so the party's ending now. <laughs> I got sent upstairs. It was me and one other big wild kid. And I'm like, huh. You know, yeah. it wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah. But I was kicked All out. All right, next time. We'll do Scary Dads next week on next yeah. week's episode. That is Buckle Up episode Buckle 11. Up, we'll do more some NFT stuff because I saw a video that was actually Gary V summing up NFTs in a good way. Should we talk about I, it next I, week? I have a, com- I have a comment on, our, on your video on our Instagram. Mm. Check out that comment. I yeah. think it was a good point about NFTs. Go on our Instagram and check it out. It was basically, yeah, the, the main point was NFTs. There are a lot of blown up ones that are way overpriced and way overvalued, but it's sort of like, some of them are beanie babies that will blow up and then then yeah. go away and and really NFTs are stuffed animals. Yeah. All of stuffed animals. Right. The whole right. industry of stuffed, stuffed animals. Are stuffed animals a good idea? Generally, Dep- sure. And there and, there, and there's a cabbage patch kid and then there's a beanie yeah. baby and a and a random one here and there like and a that. my little pony, but there's a ton of failed ones, but we don't say blow up dolls are bullshit. Right. And and, and also um, it's more it's more like NFTs are cotton. One way to use them is the mm. way they're being used now, stuffing them into animals. There will be other things that are also NFTs that will have nothing to do with JPEGs yeah. of art or board apes or whatever. And it's also what an NFT can grant you. That's what I'm yeah, seeing. It's yeah. really what the NFT gives you. So if the artist gives you an NFT, there has to be something behind it. If Billy Joel releases a bunch of NFTs, then it grants you access to Billy Joel in some way or comp tickets. It has to have value yeah. or something. Well, the value was so on Instagram. This guy, a lot of people left comments on that video. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that left a comment had his his profile picture was a board ape, which is like yeah. the premier. Yeah, you NFT. commented back to and Raza I commented or something. The only reason I'm com- I'm responding to you and not anyone else is because you have a board ape NFT. You must be some one of some sort of value status. Status. I, I want I want to get you involved in the conversation, and that's basically right now what NFTs are. It's like a something you can use to portray status on to project status online. And we'll end. And it's pretty we'll, freaking cool. It's cool because we'll yeah. end with this quote from Gene Hackman in Enemy of the State. Enemy <laughs> of the State. When it comes to board panda, crypto punks, and the NFT community, <laughs> you're either really smart or really stupid. Buckle up, baby. <laughs> Do you know that quote? No. 
you're either really smart or really stupid. That's his whole thing to Will Smith the whole movie. You're either really smart or really stupid. But Will Smith sends up the whole scene at the end where the yeah. mobsters end up killing the other guys, the politicians, and he goes, because he sees what Will Smith is doing, sets up the whole final scene, you're either really smart or really stupid. And at the end, everyone's dead. Gene Hackman goes, really smart. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up episode Buckle up, 11. Thanks for sticking with us for the next 10 episodes. Look at Michael. He's really come I'm around. He's even, I feel more comfortable. He's even dicking around <laughs> with me with the finger.